scary movie. Be afraid. Be very afraid. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Here's Johnny. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. welcome. Just a little bit uh, more about ourselves. Before the pandemic started, I was on the Philip Touring Company of Hamilton. Work, work. (laughs) And Miss Jamie... Please tell us what you do. A little old therapist. <laughs> a little old therapist. What are your specialties? What do you specialize in? Um, you know, anxiety, depression, perfectionism, all those fun things that we're all, mm-hmm. you know, deal with everything that I deal with myself. <laughs> yes. You just basically become a therapist so that you can like help yourself and yes, in a cosmic way, because we are the same person. <laughs> we are both cancers and you're here to help me. And it's a great thing. Yeah, and, no, this is your free therapy session. I love <laughs> but it. But also, <laughs> <laughs> but also, if I actually was like, Jamie, please be my therapist, she'd be like, uh, no, please figure it out. You can do it. <laughs> like, yes, you're right, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you're tuning in with us. Thank you for being here on our episode. Before we get into everything, we also have one more person to introduce our producer, Brian. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Hi, how are you? Good, so good. Tell us what you do, Brian, <laughs> this random male voice. Yeah, I'm the creeper. I'm creep. I am the producer of the show. I'll pop in with my opinions here and there because obviously I will have opinions. But yeah, so uh, I just wanted to say that we are film lovers and horror film lovers. We are by no means like film historians, so we're doing our best here. But we love everything about these movies, and uh, we're super excited to talk them through with uh, with a therapist and an actress and really dig into the behaviors of these characters. Do they seem real? Is the movie portraying, you know, the mental health of these characters accurately? How, many, how much liberty are they taking? Uh, all that stuff. So I'm super excited. We have an awesome slew of movies uh, for season one. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited to get this out there with uh, Jamie and Nikisha. It's going to be great. Our, our slogan should be just doing our best. <laughs> yeah new hashtag hashtag just doing our best (laughs) yeah everybody uh retweet (laughs) doing our best but today i am so so excited and i'm gonna say this every movie because we love horror movies but i'm especially excited about this one because we are talking about the 2004 Goriest of Gorn, original escape room from hell, Saw. Dr. Gordon, this is your wake-up call. Every day of your working life, you have given people the news that they're going to die soon. Now you will be the cause of death. Your aim in this game is to kill Adam. You have until six on the clock to do it. There's a man in the room with you. When there's that much poison in your blood, the only thing left to do is shoot yourself. 
this hidden all around you. Just remember, X marks the spot for the treasure. If you do not kill Adam by six, then Allison and Diana will die, Dr. Gordon. And I'll leave you in this room to rot. Let the game begin. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So this movie was directed by James Wan. And Brian, correct me if, my, if I'm wrong. This is his featured directorial debut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was written by uh, Lee Wanell, and it is from a short film that of the same name that was by Wan and Wanell, and it stars Lee Wanell and Carrie Elwes, Danny Glover, Shawnee Smith, and uh, Tobin Bell, just to name a few. I want to say this, and I think Brian, we all talked about this before, but we were watching in preparation for this a uh, bunch of YouTube videos of interviews with Wan and Wanell, and. When I heard him talk, I did not know that James Wan was Australian. It yeah, <laughs> I hadn't. I mean, I've seen like almost all of his movies, including Furious Seven, and like I just <laughs> I realized like I never saw an interview with him, and all of a sudden he, I, I, I was just like, wait, what? It's like, what did we watch recently, Jamie? Oh, Stowaway, and you were like blown away that oh, Tony yeah. Collette was, was Australian. I, I did not know. Because I, I feel like she's only been cast in roles where she has an American accent. I like I wouldn't have thought twice about it. I didn't know that either. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> they just opened the Australian company of Hamilton. So everybody, let's just go to Australia. That's where all the great things are. That sounds great. I, it's very I'm, cool. I'm going. I did know that he was Australian, though, because I follow him on Instagram and he posted something. I think it was a video about his upcoming new film, Malignant. So I'm excited for his movies are so great. I'm so excited. So great. I mean, I've seen I know what he looks like because in the conjuring stuff that I would uh, watch on YouTube, I would see him like directing things, but I never Mm. speak because they were always interviewing the actors in the video that I saw. So that was a really nice treat. Well, obviously, there are going to be so many spoilers in this. Spoiler alert. Beep, boop. Beep, boop, spoiler alert. So if you have not seen the original Saw, please stop the podcast, pause it, go and watch it. It's streaming in a bunch of different places, and then come back and talk to us and see if you agree with what we're saying. Also, trigger warnings. Are there any trigger warnings, Jamie, that you would like to share? I mean, this is a pretty gory movie. Um, I I feel like this would fall under the category of, I mean, maybe not the first one as much, but like gore porn generally, um, I think comes with the Saw franchise. So if gore is not for you, this one, this one, you might have to sit out. It's a little bit gory. Just a, a wee bit, you know, like on a scale of one to 10, it's at a two, you know? So- <laughs> on a scale of zero to... <laughs> Hostile. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So many things happening. Uh, But before we get into, did we even like it? Is our first time watching it? I want to get into a section of what's new in life only because I have an announcement. My parents called me today and said that they randomly got a new dog. They got a Doberman. Whoa. Yes. And my dad used to be a police officer. And so he would always have like German Shepherds because, you Mm. know, police force 
but they got a random dog and they were like, yeah, what should we name him? And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm on FaceTime and I'm looking at the dog and my dad was like, oh, let's name him Hamilton. And I was like, <laughs> rolling my eyes so much, but yeah. So now we have a Doberman named Hamilton, Yay! <laughs> but uh, yes, anything new that you've watched or any horror things that you've watched during this week before we get into this? After watching Saw for this episode, we got like, we watched the spiral trailers again because we're excited for that. And then mm-hmm. that brought us through like a, a wormhole, you know, a rabbit hole of uh, watching like tons of upcoming stuff. And obviously we're super excited for like Quiet Place 2 and, and you know, a, a lot of these horrible Candyman, everything that's coming out this year, Conjuring 3. But I'm actually kind of excited for a movie called Oxygen that's coming out. It's on going straight to Netflix. It's directed by the same person who did Crawl. Uh, the crocodile movie, uh, horns, oh mirrors, uh, the hills of eyes. Uh, and so I, I like, I, I always am thrilled by his work. So regardless of the quality of it, I'm always in, entertained and engaged. And this one seems pretty cool as was, you know, apparently a woman wakes up and she has to like remembering who she is, is like the key to like escaping wherever she's being held or whatever. So, um, definitely looking forward to watching that. Uh, so it's more about like looking forward to what's going to come out this year, especially since we didn't have a lot over the past year uh, in terms of like the big tentpole horror movies and thrillers. So looking forward to all of that stuff. All good things, especially cannot wait for Candyman. So let's get into Saw and let's describe. Let's see Saw. Let's see Saw around. <laughs> Saw sees. Yes. Would you- <laughs> Would you do the honors? Watch the plot. <laughs> We're trying this out. Jamie's going to tell us the plot to Saw, and she is going to tell it to us in two minutes. Two so minutes. So we're going to get her to Not tell long-winded. us in two minutes. Okay. Are you? I think that's enough time to to tell us about Saw. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's do this in three. Two. You want to play a game? I don't. Can I reject it? (laughs) Three, two, one. What's the plot? Okay. So Saw starts with these two people locked in a gross room. They both wake up around the same time and turn on the lights. It's a photographer, Adam, and oncologist, Dr. Gordon. Um, They try to see if they can escape. They're both chained to radiators um, and they're at opposite ends of the room and they find tapes and they listen to them and they find out that they're you know, playing some spooky escape room game where if they don't do certain things, um, you know, they're either going to die or like their family members are going to die. They find a bag with hacksaws in the toilet and they try to cut through the chains, but they can't. They realize that the saws are supposed to be for their feet. And then the doctor, Dr. Gordon realizes that he knows who the murderer is. It's the jigsaw murderer. So then you see a, a series of flashbacks about all the other jigsaw murder victims we find out that 
he does not actually murder his victims directly, but he essentially has them in traps where they end up killing themselves. Only one person so far has survived. Her name is Amanda, and she survived the reverse bear trap. And we see her, how she survived. She had to get through a tummy. It's really gross. Then we go back to the present. We see uh, Dr. Gordon's family who is like being held captive by this other person that we 25 see seconds in an earlier scene oh god this one's hard we identify that the person who kidnapped his family is zepp who's an orderly at the hospital that the doctor works at then we find out that the photographer has been stalking the doctor taking photos of him paid by the detective who really thinks that dr gordon is actually the murderer even though he claims he's innocent and then neither of them do what they have to do the time ends uh, Zepp is not successful in murdering the doctor's family. The doctor cuts off his foot so that he can escape. And then Zepp gets to the room. There's a, a fight that ensues between Zepp and the photographer. Zepp dies. Adam is so, sort of dead, but then comes back alive. The doctor leaves the room. And then big twist! The real jigsaw was the dead guy in the room the whole time that I never mentioned in the beginning or in the middle of this. So that was more than two minutes. However, <laughs> when you said, and then the time runs out, your time ran out. So I let I you know. keep going. No. Do and I then, lose the game? Is it game over? Yeah, game, game over. over. This is the, no more episodes. This is the last episode. <laughs> and that's the plot. I didn't even talk about, oh man. I didn't even talk about the detective who, who gets shotgun murdered. That, that, Truly is very upsetting. But I guess we should really get into like all of our feelings and things. All of the details about everything. Again, watch the movie. Okay. (laughs) It's just doing you a great service by going to the plot, guys. This came out. I'm reciting it as if I'm reciting it from the time I saw it in 2004. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's been a while other than the time that I rewatched it, but it's been out for a while. You should all you should all go watch it. Right. I'm sure you've seen plenty of spoilers for it. Well, getting into it, did you like it? Was this your first time seeing it? Give me your thoughts about it. So this was probably, it's. it was not my first time seeing it, but I can't remember. I know that I've probably seen it like one or two other times. The first time I saw it, I was like a freshman in high school. Um, and this was back when I was terrified of horror movies, but like there was so much peer pressure to go see it. So I basically like had to go with all of my friends and I probably only watched like 10% of the movie because the whole time I was just like cowering behind my, my hands, like literally peeking through my fingertips and like the end of the movie like truly horrified me. A a lot of the movie horrified me, like people popping out of closets and like, you know, people like coming out of your car and scaring you. But like the end I found to be so unsettling because it's like, I mean, obviously it's a twist, but also just the idea that like, I don't know, the the perpetrators like with you the whole time is like very unsettling and like gave me so many nightmares and just haunted me um, for like weeks after I saw this. Yeah, I definitely did not see this when it came out. I don't remember the first time I saw it. I was probably just bored one day and saw that it was streaming and decided, oh, I've seen clips about this. Let me just watch it. But 
a fond memory that I have of the whole Saw uh, franchise or what, what else did I call it? Chain, the Saw chain. Mm, yes, the chain. Jane. Uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna pop in here for just a second. This is not the first episode we've recorded, so you'll hear a lot of things that like we've already like figured out, and you'll listen to episodes after this and be like, "Oh, that's why they say chain instead of franchise," <laughs> or "Oh, that's why they do the two minutes of drill for the plot." Why are they watching Falcon and Winter Soldier like eight <laughs> months after it aired? <laughs> <laughs> like it's because we recorded these all out of order, um, but we're making sure we put them in a better order for you to be able to follow along movie wise. This is all for you, like the Dan Johnson's. Yes. Well, thank you for that, Brian, because that was that was needed. But I definitely coined the the chain instead of franchise in a later episode, so enjoy that for yourselves. But. I, when I was a teacher in Memphis, Tennessee, I taught for three years and I taught high school choir. And with choirs, you usually have a spring concert that happens before the school year ends. And then that's basically the last big thing that you do and you chill for the rest of the school year. I'm glad not teacher anymore because no administrative is listening to this right now. <laughs> but our spring concert was in April. And so we had until the end of May for the rest of the school year and we really didn't do much but I decided that I was going to just expose my students to the culture that is the Saw franchise and we <laughs> literally set up a projector in the choir room and for the last couple of weeks we watched all seven of the Saw movies that <laughs> is wow. wild <laughs> I'm glad that nobody really found that out and that I did not get fired, but we had a good spring concert, so nobody was concerned about what we were doing for the rest of the school year. So we watched a plethora of horror movies. That became our thing. After the spring concert, we would just watch horror movies. Anybody who didn't- That's incredible. Yeah, but it was cool that students were into it and the people who didn't want to, they didn't have to, you know, they could go and sit in somebody else's classroom or whatever, but- we watched the entire Saw franchise and it was uh, pretty incredible. And it's the, the first one going back and watching this one. It's so great seeing the, the shots and the editing, especially listening to interviews with them talking about how basically the editing was more of a necessity as mm. opposed to a film aesthetic because the budget was so low and they got the idea to kind of want to budget their own film from the Blair Witch Project movie. And so it's cool to look and see all the kooky, like fast forwarded shots when they're like driving in the car or when somebody's in the middle of the game and they're struggling and they have like the zooming around the camera, you know, the like mm-hmm. view of everything and uh, building up the tension in, in that and all the like the rock music sound effects. So it was really cool to go back after listening to how they were filming everything and seeing that it really did hold up and the storyline held up and they got what they needed to out of it, at least for me. So it was a good time coming back to this and the nostalgia of it all. It kind of got me hyped to like watch all of them. Like this like made me want to be like, all right, time to like go right into the second one, which I also remember like liking and like have like fond memories watching saw movies but do really enjoy like how the story progresses in in the sequel but i cannot really remember 
totally, I, I like generally remember where the rest of them go, but like, I would totally like pick all of those back up again. Oh, absolutely. I know they also mentioned too, that the original one wasn't supposed to be torture porn horror, mm-hmm. like the rest of the franchise. Is. Right. But, and I think that even though there is a lot of gore and such, it still was a movie that you could follow along in the story. And I just love the the tension and that it brings you to right away at the beginning. And you're figuring it out kind of in real time with the characters, which makes it more fun because mm-hmm. they make a decision and you're like, oh, would I have made that decision? Oh, maybe they should try this. Are they going to try it? You're waiting for them to kind of see. And that back and forth and that interaction with the audience watching, I think is a really cool concept that really makes this work and why I like it so much mm-hmm. but uh, yeah Brian what about you I this is my only my second time seeing it I saw it around when it first came out uh, and I, I really enjoyed it and I hadn't seen it since then a lot of it does not hold up for me a lot of it does hold up for me I think that the concept is so strong like truly so strong that it doesn't matter the other things that don't work about it because of how strong what you just said was Nikisha the concept in general is just really so strong I know like 24 was very popular around that time so like the act the idea of like everything being timed was like already in like our pop culture and so kind of pairing it with all of this stuff is just like really fun to watch and this one is not as gory as I remember it being because I think I was remembering like two three four or I don't even know how many of them I've actually seen but this one was not nearly as gory as I remember it was as scary as I remember especially some of the jump scares in the middle and the twist is still pretty awesome I will also say that the acting is god awful all around and like 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 <laughs> really bad like to the extent where like some some things are unwatchable especially but so trivia lee Winnell, the writer and who also just recently directed the invisible man he's adam in the room uh with um carrie elwes who's just awful and his accent is all over the place <laughs> in this movie but the thing is what I was reading is that because they had so they had such a small budget and such a short amount of time to film everything, they essentially were filming the rehearsals and they just used whatever they could use and patch it together. Like all of the camera stuff, the uh, the like <clears throat> the security camera footage is all just padding because they they didn't have stuff to put in there. Any time yeah. that like he's throwing him a key or he's throwing him the tape, you never there's never a long shot of him throwing something. It's all just close-ups of them catching everything. It's fascinating. This this movie is a mini miracle that like it is as good as it is because they just like were figuring this all out on the fly. They didn't even like they don't have shots for certain things and what I do like about it from like a movie nerd perspective is I really like that because we know now what James Wand is capable of in terms of insidious, in terms of um, Fast and F- the F- Furious 7. Conjuring? Isn't that Conjuring. Him? You know, what he's, um, Aquaman. Like what everything that he is capable of, it's always so fun to watch a director's first movie and just see them get a handle on everything and like w- like see where they're like, their point of view comes from. Certain flourishes that they may do that you see in other movies. I love watching that. So while I don't think this is as good of a movie as I remember it being, the 
concept is so strong and the fran- the chain, the franchise is so memorable and strong that you kind of forgive it. And at the time it was so quote groundbreaking that you overlooked all the other re- bad things about it. And really just like the concept is just talk about a movie that is like, so the, I mean, we keep saying the word, but the concept is just so engaging and good and foolproof essentially. Especially because I, after watching it, I was looking up the history of escape rooms and mm-hmm. that didn't come at least in t- into the United States until 2013. So mm-hmm. the idea that this concept of a movie came out in 2004, like you said, Brian, is foolproof because it's a maze, it's a puzzle, you're figuring things out, you're wondering what's happening to you, but you have this short amount of time to get everything done if you want to live and such. And also we'll get into this too, but the concept of appreciating life and how this is a punishment because you didn't appreciate life. And nine times out of 10, the people in these games die. Uh, so, and we'll get into all that because I have a million questions about the aspects <laughs> of all of that. Just, oh boy. Uh, Please get ready, Jamie. (laughs) I want to know if you guys felt this way, but when I was done watching this movie, I realized that Adam really didn't have a chance to live. You know, the doctor had to do something, but like, I don't remember there being something that Adam had to do in order for him to survive. Did y'all notice that too? Like, Yeah, I was thinking about that because the doctor was like, you have to kill Adam and like that will be your way to like escape and save your family. The only thing I could think of is that the key, which like is the first thing that you see in the movie without realizing what it is, goes down the tub drain when he like wakes up in the bathtub and removes the stopper and Jigsaw at the end tells him that like that was the key to the chains. Which is insane. It's just, you're just set up for disaster. So like, what can you do? But just... I think that tracks with some of the other... Well, at least w- within just this movie, the the reverse bear trap trap um, for Amanda. And like, I, I, I'm sure we can like talk about all the specific traps that are set. But for that one, it also seems like whoever that gentleman was that she had to find the key for the bear trap in was also like always going to be set up for failure. Like there was no, I, I imagine that there's potentially always going to be the risk. And also like from what I can remember from the ones that I did see in the future, um, that there's always going to be a risk that somebody within a trap could be used as like, you know, is is more expendable because the trap isn't for that person. It's for somebody else. And they're just part of the trap to help, to help the main person appreciate life more. Yeah. But it's just so crazy. Cause it's just not, it's not fair that they didn't get the opportunity to have a chance. I would, I would also add about Adam is that in Jigsaw's first message to him on the tape, he says that, this may be the room you're going to die in. He also mm-hmm. says that you're a voyeur. You're always looking in on situations. There's another way to interpret it where Jigsaw is actually putting him into a situation where he needs to actively be involved in it and potentially like talk the other person 
out of killing him, therefore allowing him to kind of, you know, live his life and not just be on the outskirts, but actually like jump in there and like earn his life. So he's not just like a cockroach in the shadows. That's Mm -hmm. another way of thinking about it. And that may be a stretch. However, I do think there is importance in the message that is also left for him because there is a message left for him. I wonder if in Jamie's example, the guy who has the question mark on his belly that he's going to get the key ripped out. I'm wondering if he even got a message from Mm -hmm. him, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Adam did get a message. So that's kind of how I took that. No, that's great. I buy that a hundred percent. That's, that's also good. Well, speaking of traps, great segue, (laughs) which game do you think you could have gotten through Oh my god! <laughs> Not in the franchise, but in the first movie, we're presented with th- three uh, different traps. We have the yeah. razor blades one, and then the bear trap one, and the one in the room. Oh, and mm-hmm. the uh, candle with the mm. one. Yep. So, on the spot, which one do you think you could get through? I mean, out of all of those, the only one that I I feel like I even have barely a shot is the razor wire one. Um, you know, I hope that my short stature uh, would exactly. would work well in my favor to like wiggle wiggle through a little bit more without risk of injury. But like, there's there's absolutely no way that I would like have the <laughs> the forethought to like stab and go through someone's guts and then like everything is probably really mushy and like how do you even like stick the key into the back of your head or like I don't know murder somebody in a room to hopefully see my my partner and children I don't know yeah Yeah, I agree that's that is exactly what I said I said the the razor maze would be my only shot because (laughs) Anything else, like all the numbers one, I didn't even understand what that one was. I would just sit there and die. And mm-hmm. yeah. the, the shortness is a great component in that area <laughs> for the, the razor maze. So you can kind of get through it a little bit better. But Ryan, do you have one? <laughs> so I, I'll i start with what I definitely would not be able to get out of the the head the reverse bear trap, not only because of the, the gushy mushy intestines, Mm -hmm. but also I think I would just like freak out at being timed for like 60 seconds or whatever it is. That's the first thing. But also gushy mushy. But also gushy mushy. I don't know. Gushy mushy. (laughs) Yeah. Gushy mushy sound effect. Great. Also, I think those hands, when you see the gushy mushy, those are Lee's hands. Those are Lee Winnell's hands. Oh, really? Fun fun fact. Uh, and then I don't think I would survive the room, the actual like the actual like weird bathroom where they're chained to the pipes. I don't think I would be able to do that because that would involve I, I just don't know. The other thing is I do think that I could survive the flame one and looking for it. I mean, I would just like go crazy just trying to figure it out. And like, I'd ha- you'd, I mean, it might just take you days and like you have to be methodical about it. But I, I think I could survive like you two, the, the razor wire, because the, in the editing of it, he just went like wild and like ran into the (laughs) razors. Like I would be a little bit more methodical about like how I planned my way out, except for just like freaking out and be like, "Ah!" two hours. Yeah. He only had two hours. 
No, I think that's a so maybe hard. he was just like, if I just go straight, then whatever parts of me that are left that make it to the end, you know, yeah, I'll just dive bombing. That's crazy. To me. And even with candle though, that candle was very low. So you, I don't think you could last a couple of days though, Brian. Like, yeah, I, I think if anything, you're probably just like spinning that stupid thing. I, I don't even know how helpful it would be to like look at the walls. Right. It's absolutely insane. Well, speaking of surviving, (laughs) another great segue. My first mental health question, James. How do you survive when someone traps you in an escape room? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) Give me all the details because that's what I need. Uh, What kind of help would the survivors of this game need? Oh, my God. Poor Amanda Young probably needs so much support. I mean, I imagine that, like, in that context uh you know hopefully the police and da's office are providing her with a lot of uh free counseling as a victim of a crime yeah i mean like i can only barely imagine like the degree of trauma that that you know someone would have and then and i and i guess like because of the there's some morality that the movie is like trying to impose on us of like appreciating life and and you know, putting more value in it. And like the idea that I'm using Amanda as, as my example, because she is at this point, the only survivor. And so the comment that she makes at the end of like, of reliving her experience, which also really annoys me that they put her through that. They force her to retell her story. Cause that could be incredibly re-traumatizing to someone who's experienced trauma just to, for the sake of trying to get some kind of rise or reaction from Dr. Gordon. Like they could have just recorded her and telling she- it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> So the idea of her saying, like, he helped me at the end, I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb and say, like, I don't really think that that's realistic. I don't know how many people who have, like, been through, like, one singular traumatic event to this extent that felt like it somehow then led them to, like, appreciate the trauma and then like not be traumatized by it. Cause she both looked traumatized and then still said that he helped her, which is very complicated. Yeah. It just like adds to this layer of complexity that I also don't think is really like grounded in reality. So I think in, in a more realistic response would, would probably not be one of like appreciating being trapped in, in a death trap and, and then needing a significant amount of like therapy to, to process and not like be forced to retell her story when she's not ready to. Right. No, I agree with that. That's great. And also great transition into my next question, which <laughs> about that exact, <laughs> we're good at this, <laughs> <laughs> which was about the comment that she made. He helped me. And the idea in trying to kill you, you learn to appreciate life. And this is going to be like a, floaty unicorn question but what are some ways that people can learn to appreciate life that's not being put in a cell and being forced (laughs) to kill someone so that you don't get killed (laughs) (laughs) with a with a loaded question loaded like a shotgun absolutely foreshadowing that's my least favorite murder I said that already but I just have to say that that detective like didn't have enough time um I mean, like appreciating, I guess it depends on, you know, uh, 
Is it for people that like, who's to say that someone is or isn't appreciating life? Like who, who decides this is, this is like deeper existential now. I love it. Get into it. Please tell me. <laughs> I mean, cause I think it's all, you know, subjective to each individual person. Um, somebody could be using substances, but it doesn't mean that they're not appreciating their life. And yes, jigsaw is like putting his own values and, and perception on how to appreciate life on other, like imposing his own beliefs on all of these other folks so that he's able to get his point across. But he also has a brain tumor, I think at this point. So I would say that his judgment might be flawed just by a little bit, but outside of that, I mean, you know, reflecting on the things that bring you joy and like taking stock in, in, you know, if you, if you notice that there are like certain people or certain things that, that make you feel good and happy after, like, then how can I incorporate more of those things into my life? So I like continue to feel the value in, in myself and my life and the things that are in it. That's what I would say, but I don't think it's like for us to decide you know, what that looks like. I think that's incredibly subjective. So I don't buy into Jigsaw's message. Oh no, that's the best answer. Yes. It, subjective <laughs> and everyone is different, you know, and there's no one singular way to do something. So yes. Uh, going to my last mental health question. So there is talks about suicide and I think it was with the razor wire guy, Mm -hmm. which is a very, very delicate subject, but what are the best kind of psychological methods that can be given to someone who has maybe already attempted suicide is thinking about suicide, what can be done to help them? Yeah. I mean, I think it's not this. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't do this at all. The thing that is also bothersome is again, like this judgment that Jigsaw is placing on, I, I don't remember. Well, I think they gave that person a name, but I can't remember his name. So Razor Wire Man, he makes a comment about if it's like a cry for help and att- or a cry for attention or or like questioning the motive behind his self-harm. And, and some people might view self-harm differently from like suicidal thoughts and like actually wanting to kill yourself. Some people use self-harm as like a for like a way to relieve a lot of the like, you know, really intense emotions that they're feeling or like a form of punishment. There's like a lot of different strategies that like people use self-harm for in those situations. I would probably recommend like alternate ways to get that same physical sensation, like release, like a sometimes if you hold like holding a an ice cube until it melts like feeling the like physical sensation of like the frozen ice on your hand and it's like really intense and then feeling it like slowly drip down like really focusing on all of those physical sensations as like a potentially safer replacement to cutting type behavior or like other forms of self-harm and then in terms of suicidality um i mean if anyone is ever like at risk, like immediate risk of harming themselves um, and they are talking to a mental health professional, hopefully they're being um, assessed properly and and are able to intervene and provide support, whether it's through 
you know, sometimes it is hospitalization. Um, if it's, if somebody's having those thoughts, but isn't at an immediate risk of harming themselves, then talking through a safety plan, then that can look like helping someone contract for safety. Who, who would you contact if you're having some of these thoughts or feeling this way? Like who is your support network? Mm-hmm. Um, friends, family, that could be hotlines. There's text lines now. What are the factors that keep you safe? Like what are the protective factors that you have in your life? What are the things that, that, you know, are keeping you alive essentially? And like, how can we enhance those things? Some people, you know, believe in spirituality and have faith and that's the thing that keeps them here. Some people have pets, you know, they couldn't go through with anything because, who would take care of their dog and they love their dog so much. And so like figuring out what those things are for different people and, and like enhancing those relationships to those things and, and like building upon those things, strengthening those, strengthening any other coping mechanisms that they use that helps them in those moments. So those are some of my thoughts, but definitely not a razor wire trap. Definitely not a razor wire trap. Well, thank you for talking about that because that is a very delicate subject. Well, transitioning on to the human behavior aspect of this, because I don't know about you guys, but there were definitely moments where I was yelling at my screen of why are people doing the things that they're doing? And it goes back to what you wanted to talk about, Jamie, which was... Like having bad accents? Yes. (laughs) I was, Brian can, can vouch that I was like, I was yelling, not yelling, but just like speaking very firmly about the bad decisions that people were making in this movie. Yes. Give me an example. What was one that you were really like, oh my gosh, please. I'm still, I'm just like very upset about, about detectives, the detective, um, that gets shotgun detective saying, and it's like, you know, why, like this, why did you guys agree to go? Why did you get a warrant? Why did you say we don't need warrants? Like, that's wild. Why did you guys go by yourself at nighttime? Why, why did you decide to stay and like be sneaky instead of like try to help that guy in the trap? They should have just let him go at that point after he sliced. Oh, that's... (laughs) Yes, that's something that annoys me of the the this like idea that they're perpetuating that Jigsaw doesn't harm his own victims. Meanwhile, he has like an Assassin's Creed blade in his arm and slices the detective right in the throat. Exactly. Exactly. No, I agree. The whole scene where the detectives are in the space and trying to save the guy, I was just yelling because... (sighs) There were also so many times that they could have shot Jigsaw. I mean, I know, you know, you shoot it's over, the movie's over. I get it. But like, if we're just talking about not even attempting to shoot him once in range and, you know, you don't have to kill him because you need to arrest and, you know, convict and all the things. Like you could have just like shot him in the leg or something. And just that whole thing, it did not need to happen. And I was Mm-mm. super upset and along the lines, the same lines of not shooting when you need to shoot was, which is also a very delicate subject I am aware of, but in this situation where the wife had the gun. Oh my God. Had her kidnapper right there. This man was about to kill you, told you he was going to kill you and your daughter. That is definite grounds for when you have a gun in your hand to please shoot him. (laughs) 
<laughs> literally just sat there talking to her husband on the cell phone, just pointing the gun. And I was like, this is not okay. I don't yeah. What is that happening? was wild. There was also, I forgot that Detective Tap died for whatever reason. And so like when he dies at the end, it's like so unsatisfying because he like had this wild, furious obsession with Dr. Gordon that makes you think like something is going to come from it. And it's great when he like comes and and potentially serves as a distraction, which allows for... Allison and Diana to like to get away but at the end when he just like dies it felt very anticlimactic to me and really annoyed me that on that that struggle also felt like it lasted really really long and I just wanted it to end and then I guess it does but not in the way that I wanted it to absolutely maybe it was one of those editing things where they couldn't get the shots that they needed to make that whole (laughs) (laughs) but keep fighting keep fighting no keep fighting we want to put more of this in here. And then the last second, he's just going to get shot and that's going to be the end of it. And you yep. don't even like, it's just like he's shot and then that's it. You don't see him anymore. There's <laughs> nothing. He just disappears into the abyss and it's mm-hmm. a crazy time. But uh, Ryan, do you have a moment where you're just like, what is happening? Why are they? Well, uh, so just to say, Danny Glover filmed his part in two days. So he was in and out. He probably doesn't remember he made the movie. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, there were a lot, but I actually, I actually have a question for the two of you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. In terms of the uh, the actors and the characters in the spaces, so you have the two in the uh, the room. You have uh, you have what's her name in the bear trap. You have the guy in the razors, and then you do you. And I guess really, this focuses more on the two guys in the room potentially. But do you feel like? they were acting like two guys trapped in a room. Did you feel that some things are pretty casual? Do you would, do you think you would have freaked out more? Do you like, I guess, how did you interpret it? Do you feel like it was like a, it was being portrayed in a way that like is actually real? Do you think it had a, like a movie calm to it because you had to do a lot of exposition? What the, knowing how you might play it, Nikisha, um, Jamie, knowing how the human mind works in a more detailed way. Like, how do you think that these, these people in these rooms would actually like truly react to the situation there? Yeah, that's, everyone is different. And me personally, I feel that the doctor was overly calm. Like, oh, like you said, for exposition, that's what I was going to say. Yes. So I agree with that statement. The um, Juanel just, I think he was overacting everything um, and everything was just kind of too big and too much for the screen. But I would feel, I would think that someone in that situation kind of would be more reactive instead of calm in that situation. But you'd kind of have to figure out not so much, is this going to be realistic, but how it's going to play on camera. And I just think that Lee Wanell didn't get the correct um, ratio of actual reaction as opposed to it being um, suitable for a camera. Because like in theater world, like maybe that if Saul was a, a theater production <laughs> musical, then oh God. Can you that sounds wild. I would totally see that. <laughs> yes. But I feel like if 
Saul was in a theater, then that style of acting, that kind of reaction, that overreaction would read better. Uh, so all that to say, Lee, no. If the doctor had been in there for a long time, then I can understand him being calm because he already had his freak out moment. And now he's just kind of settling into a more strategical mindset. Uh, so I totally get that. But also if he was there for so long and you didn't try to find lights in the room until someone else was talking, you're like, oh, maybe I should try to find a light switch and do this. But yeah. It's it's definitely overacting. I don't think that it translated well on stage. And if it were me personally in a situation of stress, I would not be screaming or yelling. I would be trying to figure out more of a calm way to get out of things because also you don't know what's in the room with you. So if you're screaming and yelling, you might be attracting whatever is trying to kill you instead of just being quiet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's my thought on that. What about you, Jamie? Yeah, I, I don't know. Cause like, I feel like my, my gut is telling me that I would be freaking out a lot, but I know like I've been in, you know, some precarious situations and past jobs where I feel like my, my mind kind of was just like, do this, 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 like just do the things that you have to do. But I don't, <clears throat> I guess the thing that would be scarier or like you know, TBD on how I would respond is just like when there isn't a direct like line of things that you need to do and you're, you're kind of like scouting out what the possible solutions are. Like, can you still maintain that same degree of like focus as, as you don't have all of the answers, like you have no answers and a ton of questions and like, how do you operate in that space? So I don't know. Part of me thinks I would just like scream my brain out. And then another part of me thinks like, I have the capacity to like be very directive and, and like focus at the task at hand. Absolutely. I feel like you would be very calm in any mm. given situation. I and hope so. Or like, ah! Ah! a lot of screaming in an Australian accent and, you know, going back and forth between all that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that when the time this movie came out, I wouldn't be freaking out. But like, I've done enough escape rooms now that like, I think I know, like, I could take a deep breath and figure it out for sure. I also would say that I think that I would be able to like ground myself and I would like to think that would I be able to, I'd be able to ground myself and calm myself and be able to like, figure out next steps, but also you know, you're chained to a thing and you don't know what you're doing. And that may be the first time you've ever seen a dead body like that. And you're freaking out. And there's just so many factors that like, yeah. And then the, the stakes are much higher than like being in a precarious situation at work or something like that, because yeah. your life is on the line. So I, so the answer is, I don't know, but I never really questioned them in the movie because it was like movie magic in the room, if you if that makes sense. But mm -hmm. I definitely think that there's things there to be talked about within that behavior. <laughs> yeah. So, Brian, do you want to go into our ratings system for this movie? Yeah. So, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score. So I am going to basically ask Jamie and Nikisha what they think the Rotten Tomatoes score is, and uh, we'll see who gets closest. So, Jamie, 
What do you think the Saw Rotten Tomatoes score is? I'm going to guess a 71. Nikisha? I was going to say 70. I'll stick to 70. (laughs) Okay. Well, so we have 70 and 71. You are both over. It has a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes for uh, 185 reviews. The critics' consensus reads, Saw ensnares audiences with a deceptively clever plot and a myriad of memorable nasty set pieces, but its lofty ambitions are undercut by a nihilistic streak that feels more mean than profound. Hmm. Well, get ready for all the sequels. I know. (laughs) That's one. (laughs) All the sequels until we see the new one, and then we'll see how that holds up. Yeah, I look forward to that. So... Now we are going to do what we call our rating system, and that is the four S's. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. (laughs) The four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. And we rate each one of those from one to 10, except for suggestions, we're gonna give you suggestions. So Skulls is more about how we feel this movie deals with mental health as well as human behavior, uh, 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. Then we'll move on to scares. You know, was this scary? Were there jump scares? It just was it just unsettling? Again, one to 10. And then we do um, shakes. Can you shake this off? Essentially, how much is the, does it stick with you, whether it's your first viewing or your 10th viewing of the movie? Does it continue to stay with you? Again, that's one to 10, 10 being I'll never forget this movie ever. And one being one and done. I watched it. I'll never remember what happened. And then suggestions is basically like if you were to go to Walmart and buy a two pack, what else would be in the two pack for these two movies that are kind of similar thematically or genre wise or or whatever the case may be. So with that long and winded explanation, let's start with skulls. Jamie, how would you rate this under skulls? Um, I think I maybe like a full 4.5 <laughs> really, really hesitating there. Okay. <laughs> the only, I'm, I'm only thinking about Amanda and like how she's reacting to everything. And I felt with the exception of what she says, but like just how she's like presented in that moment. Yeah. So that's, that's my thought. I said five Mm -hmm. uh, for the same reasons. And just because the whole concept of cherishing your life and knowing that kind of the idea of this movie came from, I want to say Lee said that he had like horrible migraines and he thought that it was like a tumor or something in his brain. And so he was like thinking about the idea of what would happen if you, had a limited, you know, time in life, what would you do and all the stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I would give it a, a five for that. I'm also going to give it a five. I think it doesn't do a good enough job, like digging into any of it. Not that that's, it's like, I mean, that is part of what it is. Uh, and on the flip side of that, I just don't think it does a terrible job of it. It does a movie job of it. So I'm just going to give it a five right in the middle. Like it doesn't, you know, 
that it gives a low budget version of this. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, a 1.2 budget version. Okay, scares. Were you scared? Was it freaky deaky? What are you thinking? Uh, Jamie, why don't you start? <laughs> freaky and deaky. I think I would give it um, a seven. Um, like thinking back to how horrified I was when I first saw it, it really had a lasting impact on me um, because I am a big, brave, brave adult person now. Mm-hmm. Um less scary, but like still, I think has those moments of like, you know, when the lights are off in, in Lee's, not, that's not the character's name, but in his apartment and he has the camera and he's just flashing it. Like that scene is really scary. Cause you, you know, that something is going to happen, but you just don't know when. And like the buildup and tension there is, is very scary to me. So that's my score. Yeah. I gave it a four. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably just my traumatized brain my desensitized <laughs> whatever um, and I want to say that was the scare it was either that one or when Zep was hiding in the closet and mm. getting a girl it was one of those that mm. I forgot about it and it caught me off guard and I like jumped so I was, I was like okay I'll give it a four but everything else is like okay you're sawing off all the things Throat slashes, okay. Goopy goops. What what did you call it? The guts? Gushy mushy. Gushy mushy. <laughs> Goopy goops. Goopy goop. <laughs> Gushy mushy. It's like, okay, we got it. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a six. The closet, all the closet stuff in this definitely freaks me out. The jump scares in terms of that. Uh, I think that that's cool. I do think the first time I watch this and you see the guy stand up, you see... Um, jigsaw stand up like that's a mm. real like in the background the, the camera's might be focused on it just in the background you see like the body start to get up and yeah like, that's definitely a jump there it doesn't get you now because you know exactly what's going to happen I, the, to me the scariest part of the movie like jamie said is the flash like i've seen it a million times before it's it's in rear window it's in so many of these movies but it's really well executed in this like you know what's coming and it still gets you it doesn't freaking matter so I give it a six for that. Okay, shakes. Is this a movie that you can shake off that you always remember? What 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 do you think in there? I think based on what I said before about the impact that it had on little we taught Jamie, I would give it like a four. I think like it really bothered me as a kid. The ending, I think again, is just something that everybody talks about and will will not forget and really like kickstarted this this chain and gave it a lot of momentum and and it's just something that horror fans i think will reference for the rest of time wait so you're only giving it a four yeah because it's (laughs) i guess when i started talking after i gave the score that doesn't make sense but like it also has like a short half-life I guess because then they made the million other films and people I think sure. were then always expecting some crazy big twist at the end of of all scary movies or like just that franchise and I don't think it's always delivering in the same way and then leaves people like unsatisfied in the future so I, it all came back <laughs> sure I saved myself <laughs> I gave it a seven because it's just the the concept of it all and we always were we've been talking about that and and the story and the engagement of it all and really just the 
underlining message that if even if it wasn't clear, you kind of still get it. That makes me not want to shake it off. And maybe it's also some of the nostalgia of it too, of like, Mm -hmm. I watched this with, you know, my students and like, I like introducing this movie to people who haven't seen it because it is good uh, in, in that realm. And yeah, so I would say, I would say seven. Yeah. I would put it at an eight. I just think that it is like, it's one of the greats, if you will, regardless of quality, if it holds up, like I think about all the time, I think about that ending all the time. Like I, I guess it can be mushed in, you know, gushy mushied in with the, you know, Saw 2, Saw 3. I actually have more fond memories of Saw 2 because I saw it and then I remember seeing it in the movie theater. I saw 2 it. But I think that like this one is just, uh, you just, I don't know, you just don't forget your first Saw, you know? Yes. (laughs) You don't forget (laughs) your first torture room. (laughs) Yeah, you don't forget your first Seesaw. So suggestions, again, like if you're going to Walmart and you're buying the two-pack, what else is coming in the two-pack with Saw? Something that I think is very aligned with this movie in terms of uh, the, not the, I mean, yes, the gore, but the same types of, not traps, but scary incidents judging people is Seven. Sure. Not You've never seen seven? No. Wait, really? God. Yeah. Now I don't want to say anything. All you need to know is that it's about the seven deadly sins. Oh, we got to put that on the list now so I can watch. Yes. You you should just watch. Don't worry about us. You should just watch seven. (laughs) Right now, watch it. Yeah, don't worry about us. Watch seven. Okay. (laughs) I bet you there's one line in seven that you've heard a million people say as a joke and you just didn't even realize what it was from. And then you'll hear that line all the time everywhere. Oh, Beautiful. Okay. Great movie. That's a really good suggestion, Jamie. You're welcome. (laughs) Hair flips all around for Jamie. Yes. (laughs) So I'm going to suggest a movie that I also have not seen, but only because it's another James Wan movie and it's Dead Silence. And in an interview, he said that this movie exists in the same universe as Saw. (laughs) I think I knew that. To see it. Uh, and it's streaming on HBO. So wait, um, Dead Silence is streaming on HBO right now. Cool. I've never seen Ooh. it. I would watch it. I know what I'm watching after this. I know. I think I was. I was after <laughs> yeah, this. Saw Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Jamie and I were I saying I saw like, that movie. I can't remember if I've seen it because puppets are scary. Hell yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. Like I don't like uh, Brian knows this, but like the Muppets really freak me out. No. Yeah, like I just like puppets. I think are 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 frightening. I, mean, <laughs> I find them unsettling. Yes. Well, I find dolls like the Chucky movies when I was younger mm-hmm. terrified. Mm-hmm. So I get your like doll <laughs> puppet fears. Yes. Yeah. It's spooky. But now you're not a wee tot anymore. I'm I'm not a wee tot now. I'm in the a strong, brave, 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 brave adult. <laughs> Very, very brave adult stage. So maybe Dead Silence won't do anything for you. We'll see. So I, I kind of went with, obviously you can choose like Saw 2 or like things like that or Furious 7, obviously. But I'm going to go, I, I'm going to choose um, Insidious. 
Yes. Just because mm-hmm. I think it is James Wan at one of his best. Uh, and I think that like that just the jump scares are very real in that movie. The especially the last one, the uh the, the acting is excellent. So if you want like a well acted uh James Wan movie, you can go see that. Obviously, Conjuring, which we'll be talking about on the on the podcast, but I would definitely suggest Insidious or yeah, uh, I guess Hostel is another one, but that's way more torture porny than this one is. Uh, but I would, my my mind was insidious for sure. Well, I think that is it. Any? I think last so. Words? Last thought? No, we all see we see saw saw see saw we see saw. <laughs> yes, we saw it our way through this episode, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. Woo-hoo. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at talk horror pod P O D for both Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, comment, let us know what movies that you want us to watch for next season. We pretty much have this season full, but we'll take suggestions for the next one. And always, always and on our downtime, you know, we just, we want to watch it all. Hashtag we'll do our best. Hashtag we're doing our best. <laughs> in this podcast but uh brian where can they listen to us sure you can find us on things like spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcasts including apple podcasts we are a new podcast so obviously rating us and reviewing us would be very helpful for other people to find us so um rate and review us there five stars please and thank-, and thank you yes well thanks guys that's it for talk horror Woo-woo. we talked we, we heard we horrored and we seesawed. <laughs> Hopefully we seesawed in the best possible way. So thank you guys. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.